0: The 3rd Level by Jack Finney The presidents of the New York Central and the New York, New Haven and Hartford Railroads will swear on a stack of timetables that there are only two. But I say there are three because I have been on the 3rd level of the Grand Central Station. Yes, I have taken the obvious step. I talked to a psychiatrist friend of mine, among others. I told him about the third level at a Grand Central Station. And he said, it was a waking dream wish fulfillment. He said I was unhappy. That made my wife kind of mad. But he explained that he meant the modern world is full of insecurity, fear, war, worry, and all the rest of it. And that I just want to escape. Well, who doesn't? Everybody. Everybody I know wants to escape. But they don't wander around down into any third level at Grand Central Station. But that's the reason, he said. And my friends all agreed. Everything points to it, they claimed. My stamp collecting, for example, that's a temporary refuge from reality. Well, maybe... But my grandfather didn't need any refuge from reality. Things were pretty nice and peaceful in his day. From all I hear and he started my collection. It's a nice collection too. Blocks of four of four. Practically every U.S. issue first day covers, and so on. President Roosevelt collected stamps too, you know. Anyway, here's what happened at Grand Central. One night last summer, I worked late at the office. I was in a hurry to get uptown to my apartment. So I decided to take the subway from Grand Central because it's faster than the bus. Now I don't know why this should have happened to me. I'm just an ordinary guy named Charlie, 31 years old and I was wearing a tan gabardine suit and a straw hat with a fancy band. I passed a dozen men who looked just like me And I wasn't trying to escape from anything. I just wanted to go home to Louisa, my wife. I turned into Grand Central from Vanderbilt Avenue and went down the steps to the first level where you take trains like 20th century. Then I walked down another flight to the second level where the suburban trains leave from, ducked into an arched doorway heading for the subway and get lost. That's easy to do. I have been in and out of Grand Central hundreds of times, but I'm always bumping into new doorways and stairs and corridors. Once I got into a tunnel about a mile long and came out in a lobby of a Roosevelt Hotel. Another time, I came up in an office building on 46th Street, three blocks away. Sometimes I think Grand Central is growing like a tree, pushing out new corridors, staircases like roots. There's probability, a long... Tunnel that nobody knows about feeling its way under the city right now. And its way to Times Square and maybe to Central Park. And maybe because of so many people through the ears of Grand Central has been an exit, a way of escape. Maybe that's how the tunnel I got into but I never told my psychiatrist friend about that idea. The corridor I was in began, angling left and slanting downward, and I thought that was wrong. But I kept on walking. All I could hear was the empty sound of my own footsteps, and I didn't pass. A soul. Then I heard there a sort of hollow roar ahead that means open space and people talking. The tunnel turned sharp left and I went down a short flight of stairs and came out on the third level at Grand Central Station. For just a moment, I thought I was back on the second level but I saw the room was the similar. But I saw the room was smaller. There were fewer ticket windows and train gates and the information booth in the centre was wood and old looking and the man in the booth wore a green eye shade and long black sleeves protectors. The lights were dim and sort of flickering. Then I saw why. They were open flame gas lights. There were brass spittoons on the floor. And across the station, a glint of light caught my eye. A man was pulling a gold watch from his vest pocket. He snapped open the cover, glanced at his watch and frowned. He wore a derby hat, a black four-button suit with tiny labels. And he had a big black handlebar mustache. Then I looked around and saw that everyone in the station was dressed like 1890-something. I never saw so many beards, sideburns, and fancy mustaches in my life. A woman walked in through the train gate she wore a dress with leg-of-mutton sleeves and skirts to the top of her high-button shoes. Back of her, out on the tracks, I caught a glimpse of a locomotive. A very small courier an Ives locomotive with a funnel-shaped stack. And then I knew To make sure, I walked over to a newsboy and glanced at the stack of papers at his feet. It was the world. And the world hasn't been published for years. The lead story said something about President Cleveland. I found that front page since in the public library files and it was printed June 11, 1894. I turned toward the ticket windows knowing that here, on the third level at Grand Central, I could buy tickets that would take Louisa and me anywhere in the United States we wanted to go in the year 1894. And I wanted two tickets to Gallusburg, Illinois. Have you ever been there? It's a wonderful town still, with the big old frame houses, huge lawns and tremendous trees whose branches meet overhead and the roof of the streets. And in 1894, summer evenings were twice as long and people sat out on their lawns the men smoking cigars and talking quietly, the women waving palm leaf fans with the fireflies all around in a peaceful world. To be back there with the first world war still 20 years off and World War II over 40 years in the future, I wanted two tickets for that. The clerk figured the fare, he glanced at my fancy hatband, but he figured the fare. And I had enough for two coach tickets, one way, but when I counted out the money and looked up, the clerk was staring at me. He nodded at the bills. That ain't money, mister, he said. And if you are trying to skin me, you won't get very far. And he glanced at cash drawer besides him. Of course. The money was old style bills. Half again as big as the money we use nowadays and different looking. I turned away and got out fast. There's nothing nice about jail even in 1894. And that was that. I left the same way I came I suppose next day during lunch hour I drew $300 out of bank nearly all we had and brought old style currency that really worried my psychiatrist friend. You can buy old money at almost any coin dealers but you have to pay a premium. My $300 bought less than 200 in old style bills. But I didn't care. Eggs were 13 cents a dozen in 1894. But I have never again found the corridor that leads to the third level at Grand Central Station. Although I have tried often enough. Louisa was pretty worried. When I told her all this and didn't want me to look for the third level anymore, and after a while I stopped, I went back to my stamp but now we are both looking every weekend because now we have proof that the third level is still there. My friend Sam Weiner disappeared. Nobody knew where but I sort of suspected because Sam's a city boy And I used to tell him about Galesburg, I went to school there, and he always said he liked the sound of the place. And that's where he is, alright, in 1894. Because, one night, (coughs) fussing with my stamp collection, I found... Well, do you know what a first day cover is? When a new stamp is issued, stamp collectors buy some and use them to mail envelope to themselves on the very first day of sale. And the postmark proves the date. The envelope is called a first day cover. They are never opened. You just put blank paper in the envelope. That night, among my oldest first day covers, I found one that shouldn't have been there. But there it was. It was there because someone had mailed it to my grandfather at his home in Galesburg. That's what the address on the envelope said. And it had been there since July eighteen eighteen ninety four, 1894. The postmark showed that. Yet, I didn't remember it at all. The stamp was a six cent, dull brown, with a picture of President Garfield. Naturally, when the envelope came to Granddad in the mail, it went right into his collection and stayed there. Till I looked it out and opened it, the paper inside wasn't blank. It read, 941 Willard Street, galesburg Illinois, July 18, 1894. Charlie I got to wishing that you were right. Then I got to believing you were right. And Charlie, it's true. I found the third level. I have been there for two weeks. And right now, down the street, at the dailies, someone is playing a piano. And they're all out on the front porch singing, seeing Nellie home. And I'm invited over for lemonade. Come on back, Charlie and Louisa. Keep looking till you find the third level. It's worth it. Believe me. The note is signed, Sam. At the stamp and coin center I go to I found out that Sam bought eight hundred dollars worth of old sign old style currency that ought to set him up in a nice little hay feed and grain business. He always said that that's what he really wished he could do, and he certainly can't go back to his old business, not his not in Galesburg, Illinois, in 1894. His old business? Why? Sam was my psychiatrist.